Welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatarverse. I'm Janet Varney. And I'm Dante Bosco. And Varney, so much fun having Jack DeSanta back for our recap and discussion about book one's 12th episode, The Storm. I know he is the best. You know what? Ever since we had him on that first time, listeners have been bringing up the whole like that's rough buddy run that we did with you where we were tossing little lines at you. You mean when I was caught between two improvisers? And... <laughs> that's got to be rough buddy. But before we get into this week's episode with our wonderful guests, I just want to return for a moment to the storm. If you recall, when we were having the conversation late in the episode where Aang does, everybody sort of plummeting into the water and we sort of made a joke, essentially because we did didn't really understand exactly how the mechanics or the physics of all of that works. And we also made a joke about uh, Aang being in a sort of suspended animation, which I don't think any of us actually thought was true uh, when he was suspended <laughs> in the iceberg for so many, many years. But a uh, couple quick answers and very helpful break bites from our beloved Brian Konetsko and Mike DiMartino. So as far as Aang inside the bubble in this episode, the storm, it's something like fish extracting the oxygen out of water, right? Aang uses his airbending, and while he's in the Avatar state, there's surely some waterbending too, and extracts and condenses a large amount of oxygen around him and his friends so that they can all breathe freely inside the bubble. And then the second little break bite regarding uh, Aang not, very much not being in a state of suspended animation, actually comes from, and many of you know this, and actually as soon as I read this, I thought I knew this and I just forgot. I don't, I'm not going to go too deeply into it, but we will absolutely return to this in future episodes. The properties of the air bubble that Aang and Appa were suspended in really are all about the powerful concentration of Rava, spirit energy around Aang and Appa. So I want to talk about that more in a future episode, but in case anyone is wondering or, you know, shaking their fists at us because we didn't know the answers to those right in the moment, I did want to provide those break bites with more to come. So that concludes the break bite. All right. Yes, indeed. Let's talk about this week because I'm so excited that this week we had the opportunity to bring on two amazing women, both of whom I've been aware of for some time. This is something that has been in the works since the beginning of the podcast. They are both, I would say, beyond well-versed in the Avatarverse, and we are we're just going to kind of converse a little bit. We're going to rap a little bit about some kind of... I don't know, maybe we call it like big picture stuff, some thematic stuff. Freestyle episode. I think it's fair to say there are going to be a lot of foreshadow reports and general spoilers. I'm even going to use the word spoilers in this episode because we are talking about such big themes and we're kind of jumping all over the place. But I feel sure that most of you probably know what we're talking about. And if you don't, you can always pause this episode, finish the series and come back. This episode will be right here waiting for you. First, we have Ijoma Njaka, who is an arts educator, professor, writer and artist based in Washington, D.C. She focuses on anti-racist and social justice education. And she also designed and runs a free online course on Avatar The Last Airbender. We also have with us Kara Mahorn, who is a well-loved culture journalist, and she is a content creator. So you may also know her as the Blurred Girl. So please welcome our guests, Kara Mahorn and Ijoma Njaka. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hello. Welcome, you guys. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. This is so exciting. We've talked so many times on the podcast about knowing our place in the knowledge spectrum of the Avatarverse. It, our knowledge is growing every day. Certainly the appreciation and the love has always been there, but it is, you know, a lot to bite off and chew on, especially when you've been doing all these cons where you are constantly interacting with fans who are so deeply immersed and who have so many things that they've got from Reddit, things that have kind of right. been living in Avatar Wiki for a million years. But not only that, I'm feeling super nervous right now because we have a professor and a journalist. And what are we doing, yeah. Barney? Are we, we're neither. We're not, we're I none mean, of those things. No, Listen. but see, in, in, in my mind, I'm sitting here like, oh my God, it's, it's Zuko and Korra. <laughs> like, you know, that's what's going through my head. So uh, yes, I'm, I'm a journalist, but I'm low-key geeking out right now. 
Uh, yeah, and I was gonna say I'm a professor who is like high key geeking out. Right now. <laughs> That's good That's because right. together with all of the geeking out that we're all doing on each other, we have a perfect chord. You see, we have low keys, we have high keys, we have beautiful harmony. We're always looking for that balance, and something tells me that might be a word that we end up talking about a little bit more as we get into our discussion. But uh, yeah, we'd love to kind of unpack a little bit further your backgrounds, what took you into Avatar you know when you discovered it Ijoma how did you end up kind of finding Avatar in the first place and when did it start of start insinuating it into itself into your 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 life and studies yeah yeah so I was definitely an adult it was 2009 um, I had just graduated from college <laughs> there was a recession I was living in my parents basement uh, unemployed and but we did have cable so that was when I started uh, watching Avatar and I made just like a really concerted effort to watch it in order from the beginning. I'm an educator, and especially as I started going throughout my career, one way that a nerdy educator like myself, you know, manifests their passions is by creating syllabi <laughs> for fun. And so that's that's what I ended up doing. Um, several years back, I, I made this like full-length syllabus about Avatar The Last Airbender and sort of the ways in which its <laughs> themes could connect to us in the real world by drawing from a fictional world. And I had offered it to uh, a well-established college as a potential course in their experimental program. They passed on it. Then it turned out when I needed a writing sample for graduate school, um, I just sent my syllabus along and then I got in. And yeah, so it got me into grad school. So that's, that's always great. That makes me so happy. And so, yeah, last summer when the pandemic started and uh, Avatar got back on Netflix, I thought, well, one of the safe things to do right now is to be at home watching TV. A lot of people are revisiting the show. And what can I add to that experience of, of revisiting the show? And so, yeah, I created an on a free, free online course on Avatar The Last Airbender and the ways in which we can draw lessons from its fictional world and apply it to our real world, where we, particularly last year, were seeing a lot of issues and challenges and could look to improve it. So you put this syllabus into real life. First of all, sidestep, I didn't even know you can kind of submit a class to a college i know i have no idea how that works like hey well i was gonna say i also don't know how it works either because it didn't work <laughs> <laughs> we're just telling them how it should work then you also put it out online for free we can take this course right now yeah i love it caramel how about you how did you find avatar um i too am grown i'm an anime fan so i was actually like, wait, Nickelodeon's doing anime? What's happening? And JM Animation, who's the studio that did it originally, they've done a lot of amazing things. For those of you who are, are not familiar, later on they did things like Gantz and Fairy Tale and stuff like that. So I was a fan of their work. And I'm like, ooh, is Nickelodeon going Adult Swim? Like, what's happening? And so I was coming in as a fan of anime, and then I just stayed for the lessons. Like, I was just fascinated. Um, and I was also fascinated by all of these people who were not familiar with anime, who were coming in and talking about the show. And like, and it was so funny because it turned into sort of like my gateway. Like, look, if you like Avatar, you'll, and that's usually how most of my conversations start. If you like Avatar, then you'll like. <laughs> sure. Yes. I've often called it like the gateway. Yeah, it it's is. It's an American gateway to anime. Yeah. It is. It is. And. I was actually really fascinated by the show and the lessons in it, and I loved it. And there weren't, I had a few friends who were into it, but not that many. And then later, it's really funny, after the entire show went off and Cora was coming on, I had all these friends like, oh, wait, Avatar, what's that? I'm like, are you kidding? And so it was like, let's rewatch with the friends. And then, of course, last year, um, I had this horrible moment when I found out that my boyfriend, had never seen Korra and I'm like and had hadn't finished Avatar Last Airbender and I'm like we're in the middle of a pandemic but I will put you out if you don't <laughs> watch we gotta reassess our relationship and look at the contracts clearer right because my thing is like so I've been making all of these references to to the Bayfong family and you have no idea what I'm saying. All right. Um, so yeah, and I, I've just been a fan and then also I kind of got into the comics and things like that. And then as luck would have it, Nickelodeon actually called me and I did um, a, a series, a short series of videos with my buddy Antoine Vandelay, who is a super Avatar fan. And it was Avatar Life Lessons. And we did this series for kids on YouTube last year 
um, kind of helping them get through the pandemic and get through the election using concepts that were in the Avatar, which I loved because I constantly talk about how Zuko's arc is one of the best written, not just anime, but in television um, because of everything that he goes through. And Zuko is also like an excellent example of an ally. So we, we were able to really have conversations that I thought were really meaningful and it meant so much that we were able to use um, the show. So when you all called to do this, I was like, yeah, what time, when, what do I need? Well, I think we've established just from these opening remarks with all of us that there are a million different ways you can sort of go at Avatar and talk about all of the value that, that there is to kind of be mined and to learn from and to, you know, to your point, talk to young people about, talk to peers about. I think what we kind of wanted to do with this episode with you is zero in a little bit on kind of a lens that we could look at through each of you. If you have kind of like a broad or a, a concept that you want to sort of a lens that you want to click into place um, so that we can talk about it from that perspective. Does that make sense? And if so, Ijoma, what uh, what would you call your lens? Yeah, I'm an arts educator. Um, and so for me, what that means, we're using the arts to do a lot of hard things, you know, learning about hard and tough concepts, but also giving us an entry point and sort of giving us paths to think about how we might sort of encounter challenging things more differently. And the reason why I think sort of Avatar works really well for this is actually because of the really great world building. Um, particularly in thinking about the ways in which, you know, that is a world that is not in balance. It's very similar to our world and our planet and how we're interacting with things or just our social situations or different types of identities. You know, I think that that world building and sort of seeing the ways in which things that happen on Avatar sort of reverberate and sort of have consequences across a variety of things is actually really helpful for thinking about how sort of things that we do have those types of consequences in our world that we may or may not be trying to rebuild in certain ways. I think it's also really interesting to just like see what happens. Karima, you sort of mentioned like Zuko's arc, you know, see what happens when people keep encountering things that are different from what they thought they were before. Um, that's, again, sort of as an educator, that's when learning happens, when people encounter those types of different things and try to figure out how to make sense of them. We see that with Zuko, we see that with Aang, and obviously in all of these episodes, about sort of the ways in which people grow from those types of experiences. And so I'm really interested about, yeah, and what happens if we sort of continue to look at and sort of look closely at the show or really any piece of art to see sort of what it changes in our perceptions of the world. I love that. Okay. The bigger lens is looking at the show in direct relation to how it can help us understand dealing with things like prejudice, things like preset expectations, and also like almost the remapping of your own brain as your experiences in the world change, because that can be a very confusing thing for people. I mean, all of that is so rich and complicated and so present right now in a really exciting way, but also in sort of a stressful way. And so I love the idea of, you know, again, yeah, looking at art and finding ways to bring that into your own life. And Karima, what do you think? What's what's a sort of a lens for you for this conversation? It's funny because mine is um, similar, although I'm not going to be that articulate. Um, How dare you? I <laughs> How dare you say that about yourself? No way. I, I am. I tell people all the time. I'm I'm a I'm a cultural journalist parked at the intersection of geekdom and diversity. So I am regularly looking at characters from not just like, do I see myself in them, but how universal is this theme? And so I think that's why I'm always coming back to Avatar because there's so many universal themes. And I think it's really interesting, especially right now, um, we, we will have conversations uh, that get very heated about you know racism, diversity, inclusion, things like that. Um, and, but, when you put characters into it, for some reason, people can snap out of it and have a conversation. Like somebody can look at Star Trek and go, oh, Cardassian is evil or Fire Nation is oppressive. But hey, hey, if hey, they hey. bring it, <laughs> not forever. I'm not talking about you. Your daddy has some issues, but not yeah, you. You're let's fine. Let's not make over, overreaching <laughs> yes. generalizations about. Yes. There we go. But uh... I think, but I think that's, but that is right there is a really good point. Um, even, you know, in, in Zuko's journey, that cognitive dissonance that he had to, like, that he had yes. when he basically was hit with 
who he was in the world that was created around him. But even in book one, there's things that are learned that are seen, but never talked about. And I think um, this is something else I go through. Um, my mother's from Bermuda, I, my dad's from this country, but it's a first gen thing where there's definitely in the islands, there's a lot of stuff people don't talk about. And then you'll hear a story and you'll go, wait a minute. Well, that was important. That's something that I also liked a lot about the storylines that are in this show. That's why I love talking to kids about the show because I'm not saying that kids should not listen to their parents. I'm saying that sometimes there are decisions that are made that are just made because everybody's been doing it for years and they're comfortable in that. And those changes, sometimes it just takes somebody to go, hey, yeah, why are we doing this? Yes. So those little moments I love. And I also, the other thing I'm, um, it's so funny because in anime, so many times in animation, sometimes the when you get away from the arc, the the filler episodes they call them aren't always you know as good. But Avatar doesn't have that problem. You regularly meet characters and themes that might have just been a one off, but are still really important. Like it was one of those side missions, and there were a lot in the first book. Um, <laughs> that they, they met the Kyoshi warriors and, you know, they, and there's another lesson in how Saka thought women were supposed to act. And Suki was like, yeah, we don't do that here. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so those lessons, I love those little moments where you're seeing the status quo sort of being challenged by one person. Like, yeah, but why though? And I yeah. love that. I love what you said too, because the payoff of, you know, we don't have that sense of Sokka's tribe. We don't have the sense of why he thinks that. I mean, we know all the guys left for sure. We know that that must mean something. But we're sort of, I feel like you're so early in the show, you just kind of accept that without really thinking about what that might mean about the culture of, of the tribe or of the culture of the water tribe in general. And that sort of like happens really early on. And then it's not until we get to foreshadow report the Northern Water Tribe that suddenly the payoff of like, oh, okay, yeah, that's why Sokka is like that about girls, because it sure looks like that's part of his upbringing. And it's not isolated to just him. It's not just this character flaw that he, Sokka, has. There's something going on at large that may or may not have happened for a really specific reason at one point. But the reality is where we are in our moment with Katara needing to learn to waterbend, it's like, yeah, we got to be done with that now. <laughs> we got to be done this with is, that way of thinking. This is an that's, emergency that's, situation. That's old. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, know? Like... that's old. Let's change this. Let's create a new paradigm. Let's move forward together if we can get there. I love that. I love it. And also, you know, the big E word that I think we're, we're talking about without necessarily naming is also empathy right is like finding ways to look at art and let it speak to us and then let us use that same language to understand uh, our own situations and ideally other people's that are that are different from us the impact of this show on a generation of kids that grew up watching this at a 12 year old phase or whatever the things you guys are talking about both of you either consciously or subconsciously got into their brains and now we're seeing the manifestation of a generation that grew up on these kind of themes and this kind of story. You yeah, know? no, it's, and, and again, because you're in it, you don't know how far you're, you're so busy rowing, you don't realize how far away from the shore you are until you turn around and see this big body right. of water behind you. <laughs> right, or where the ripples are going, right? I yeah. mean, I feel like it's making me think about what Janet was saying earlier about like remapping the brain and what Karima was saying about how we can talk about certain issues, but once you sort of put a character in there, then sort of people are able to like, suddenly they're able to see it with nuance a little bit. Yeah, I mean, of course, like if, you know, kids are watching the show or have known the show for like half their lives or most of their lives, seeing like Aang and Katara who are, you know, regularly interfacing with people who do not look like them and are sort of helping people who do not look like them or who are sort of oppressed in, you know, in different ways, different from them, but are still sort of thinking about that type of thing. Of course, it's going to leave this type of like remapping impact on, on a lot of people. My generation grew up on like Prince Charming coming to save the girl's damsel in distress and Peter Pan syndrome, like never grew like, what? Hold on a second. What are we growing up on? Yeah, and here and here, Katara is out here saving herself. Um, She's saving herself, exactly. And and um, but also people like Toph who can't see you have no reference of race or ethnicity or anything like that, and just know, okay, but you're lying. Why are you lying? 
What's, you know what I mean? That that's why I love Toph. Toph is yeah. like, yeah, I don't even know if you're cute or not, but I know you're lying. Right. <laughs> like I know this is a problem, and I know I'm hungry. So, and that's what I love. Like for someone who did not have sight, she could see through every other character so clearly. Um, I love that. Again, like the idea of the noise, the noise yeah. that we are all so accustomed to. We think it's the language, but it's really noise. Right. But often her, um, it's funny because I don't want to call it a disability. I feel like her blindness was an ability, was just nobody paid attention to it. But it was there. It was an issue. Right. Except for that one thing that Toph does struggle with. But you know what? We're not even going to foreshadow it right now. Right. Let's just um, we'll talk about it when it happens. (laughs) But generally, um, and I think that happens when someone is othered. And, you know, oh, they're just like us. I don't even see that anymore. That's a problem. You need to see it. You need to acknowledge it. They just happen to be, you know, better than this other person. But that is a real thing that they live with, you know. So I love everything about Avatar that's in between the lines, in between the conversations. What are some other examples of some kind of beautiful in-between stuff that happens? And this this is a question for both of you, of course. Oh, anything with Iroh. Yeah. Anything with Iroh. Yeah. Iroh spoke in, in parables and riddles and poems and haiku and it was just so beautiful because everything he said had a meaning. And the crazy thing about it is he said stuff in book one that didn't come to fruition until book four. Mm. And it made you go back. <laughs> and yeah. I could, when I first saw it, we couldn't go back because it was on Nickelodeon and uh-huh. we couldn't stream it. <laughs> right. I, I think for me, like, I think what... And, you know, maybe this is just a commentary on my own personal journey um, and sort of, like, doing work... That focuses on, you know, anti-racism, which means in turn that it focuses on racism and injustices and impressions. And like, you know, it's really very easy in some instances to sort of categorize folks as like, well, these people are doing something wrong. It's really bad, sort of wholesale. Um, and one thing that I've sort of noticed in an avatar for me are the ways in which, um, you know, sort of the people who are viewing as antagonists or villains get humanized. Um, and, you know, and the ways in which we're sort of seeing these, you know, sort of particularly Zuko, but, you know, with other characters as well, like seeing things that he does that, you know, the more that you spend time with him, the more you understand where it's coming from and sort of like, OK, well, actually, no, this is this is a systemic issue. What's fascinating about the empathy thing and the thing that's very interesting as you guys are talking about this is there are good and bad in each element group. Like yes. in, in old cartoons, yes. you watch like, okay, those are definitely the bad guys and those right. are definitely the good guys. But when you look, obviously within the Fire Nation, you have one feeling towards it, but you see all these people doing good stuff within the Fire Nation. Or you, you'll see the same thing in the Air Nomads, but there's like, <laughs> that guy's a jerk and he's doing weird stuff to the Avatar. Or of course in the Earth Kingdom, like good guy, bad guy stuff going on. So we these these broad monolith monolithic kind of things that you've seen a lot of other animation cartoons, especially in the 80s and 90s, this is different. It started happening like these different kind of characters within these folds. And I thought that was yeah. really interesting and amazing. Yeah. I mean, and again, that's, and that's balance. There's good and bad on, on in each. And I think the, I think what's wonderful about it is because in the beginning you're like, Oh, good is over here with Aang and Katara and bad is over here with Zuko. But throughout this story, they go back and forth. Yes. Don't and get comfortable. Babe, Do no. not get comfortable thinking that you know where a character <laughs> belongs don't get caught up. in don't your... Don't get caught up and thinking you know what you do. You don't know. That's right, because right. I remember when I first saw it, I remember, because again, I'm big on secondary characters, and I was looking at Iroh, and I'm like, oh my goodness, he's so sweet. But I'm like, wait, but that's his daddy's brother. Yeah. Right. Is there yeah. more? And he got, here? Right, he got yeah. kicked out for a reason. So at one point... He probably wasn't so good either. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It's fascinating to think about. I was one of the most fascinating yeah. characters because of who you ultimately understand who he is later on, which I think we we don't always look at our elders in that. We don't know who our parents right. are, who they were, our grandparents. We don't know who they actually were, and they could have been the danged dragon of the West. You didn't even know. Yeah. And just the idea that Iroh is so far along in his journey and is and is so quiet and patient watching his nephew who he cares so deeply for 
for so many reasons, not the least of which is what he's lost and what, you know, Zuko has become to him. But imagine, I mean, haven't we all been in that place, just like we were talking about before, where somebody we deeply care about is just, from our perspective, from our life experience, is just sitting in a place that's not healthy. You just want to grab him and go, let me quickly just like, you know, do a Vulcan mind meld, like you want the shortcut, right? You're like, let me just like put my put my hand on your your face and you will see my story and my story will will fast forward you over this like hump that's very difficult for me to watch you going through and to learn from Iroh to be learning from Iroh and Zuko on both sides we can all learn from them on both sides of where they are but the amount of just sitting by that Iroh does especially in book one once you know more about him and his history you're like oh that cannot be easy no, well, he's wise enough to know you have to go through it. He has to go through it. You got to, you have to go through it. There's no not going through it. Everybody is lifting each other up and people are, are doing the best they can to save people in certain moments. But I do feel like, and I'd love to hear uh, what you ladies think, that there is a sense of nobody can save you but yourself. Yeah, that's, I, that's Aang's path. I mean, that's everybody's path, but I think we see it actualized soonest with Aang. It's not really talked about, but I always felt that the reason why Aang had so much trouble with firebending is because these are the people who basically took out all of his people. This is this was genocide, basically. And so there was a mental block there against learning the very technique that took them out. There's, there's nobody who could do it for him. He had to go through it. He had to go face to face with it. He had to deal with that. And he's got to deal with it in many levels. Same thing with Katara. Katara has this hatred for the Fire Nation because they killed her mother. Again, she's using a blanket they because that's her trauma. She's got to go through that. She's got to get through that. So everybody has, even Iroh, everything Iroh's done, when he's at his most frustrated with Zuko, it's because he doesn't want to go through it again and again. I don't, you know, foreshadowing. But he's like, I know how this road ends. I'm telling you not to do this. And, but he has to, you're going to have to be patient and sit there because uh, Iroh couldn't live it for him. So it was, it was, that was a, uh, um, I think that's a really powerful message that came through the yeah. entire show. One thing that I've been thinking about sort of in relation to sort of what we have to do on our own or what we do with others is something that I've been really interested in too around the idea of like accountability and repair, like, you know, foreshadow report when Zuko decides he's ready to be good, <laughs> you know, he just tries to sort of show up, but he needs, you know, he has to do stuff in order to like show that he's sort of worthy of that. But he or- showed up. First step, show up. He showed up, tried to help, then, you know, battled Sparky Sparky Boom Man. And that, you know, right. Once he put himself in danger, then, you know, we sort of like saw that. Or like, I'm also thinking about um, in book one, when they go to the, when they get to the Northern Air Temple um, and it's, you know, there's the the mechanist and his son who live there and it's really industrialized and Aang has a lot of feelings about it. You know, like they need to sort of like, you know, they have to be in conversation with him about, okay, like, you know, destroying these sort of sacred sites or sort of, you know, the history of his people or like things that meant something to him and sort of talking about that and what happens. There's something in there, especially sort of like, you know, when relationships in the show get fractured or sort of like issues are presented within relationships that people have to sort of like, they don't just say they're sorry, right? They sort of go through the steps of like repair and accountability, which I also think is really fascinating. But, you know, folks also have to be ready. The characters have to be in a place where they're ready to to do that. You had said something very early on about the the idea of people's stories either that they've been told or that they tell themselves how do you feel like that um, using Zuko because that is such a beloved and great example how would you articulate that in terms of yeah again like his own story and how long he follows that and how hard it is to break out of that yeah yeah um (laughs) like buckle up I'm super excited um okay (laughs) All right, so I'm thinking about, right, the end of book one. Zuko's, like, in a cave monologuing to, you know, Aang's body. Because <laughs> Aang is in the spirit world about how my father says my sister was born or lucky and that I was lucky to be born. Yeah, and, like, born. just that story, that narrative of himself mm. that he tells himself, like, 
he, you know, he explains that like, it's allowed him to sort of be strong and like, you know, he successfully reframes that like terrible thing that his father said to him that actually is maybe a healthy choice, but he has to tell himself something different in order to change. He has to sort of craft his own story about himself and tell that to himself in order for his arc to happen. Um, and so some of that is, you know, in like the great Zuko alone episode or when, when he's in the cave with Katara, like there are things about himself, you know, he has to like reframe things which i think is really interesting it's like our stories are our armor right and that and we don't realizing that sometimes the we build armor that is also poison and it's just leaking into our bodies all the time even as we're trying to use those stories to keep us safe and that and that poison infects perception because in reality the fact that his he was lucky to be born zuko was lucky to be born when you hear his whole story he is like when you hear like you know later on the rest of the story that it's but he's only it's like Zuko's walking around with just the first two chapters of his life just living that out over and over again he's never heard the rest of his story and I think this is why when I talk about like inclusion why it's so important if you never see yourself or a good version of yourself reflected you're going to start acting out that reflection and mm. so when people get into conversations about diversity and inclusion, sometimes I'll tell people, like, this is not about you. You know, this is not about, this is about them. You know, it's really important in terms of perception. If the whole world is saying something about you or you think they are, you're going to start believing that. And the same thing right. happened with Aang. Everybody believed he was this incredible, you know, you're back to save us all. And he's like, How? I have no idea what I'm doing. But he, again, can't do it without help. He can't do it without help. But he needs, but again, he gets there. But he has got to get past that perception and that that fear that is infecting that perception so that he can actually achieve what he was sent here to do. Yeah. But that's what's so deep about this show. Y'all didn't know what you were doing. This thing is deep. Imagine this was originally made for like 12 year olds or something like the afternoon after school on Nickelodeon. Like what? We're yeah. talking about genocide and we're talking about, they knew. I feel like it snuck in yeah. some other things that yeah, no but, one was you know, ready for. I Mike and Brian knew thinking back on when we had them on the show, just thinking about some of the classics that they were inspired by that also have totally. these bigger, deeper themes. I mean, I think, great storytellers, be it Mike and Brian or be it any number of other people, including creators of anime or fabulous from hundreds of years ago. Those themes, if we're if we're doing the right thing with our kids, the heaviest stuff starts getting baked into our stories uh, from a very, very young age. Right. We just have to figure out what clothes to put on them. Right. But that, you know, they they knew they knew that they were going super, super deep and uh, things got even messier and more complicated with with Cora as you know they were he, they, approaching different ages and different people and different technologies. Like, spoiler alert: we've certainly managed to complicate our right, lives exactly. in different and new, exciting, damaging ways with technology. <laughs> so you know, it's like: are we regressing? Are we progressing? Yes. Is both happening? Are we going this way and that way, forward in time and back in time? Like, we're all well, over I, the place, right? Can I ask a quick question to the astute minds that we have in this particular podcast session? As we're talking about these characters and in Karama saying you like side characters, can we talk for like one second about maybe the most polarizing character in the whole series, Jet? What y'all think about my boy Jet? What's he doing? What y'all thinking? Where are y'all at with my guy, Jet? <laughs> but, but, yeah, Jet but Jet, listen, Jet was also a pro- product of his environment. That's yes. also, that's perception that had, he had, abs- in fact, he was so indoctrinated with what had happened to him, his trauma, he couldn't see any other way. He couldn't, in fact, he did see it, but by then it was too late. He did see it. He did eventually see it, but everything yeah. and and honestly i a little of his story parallels toff a little bit because okay and katara in the sense that katara sees oh wait am i am i that about the fire nation 
Like there's where you're, that's where this road can go. This road of every Fire Nation person is, is evil can turn into, I guess we got to kill a whole village full of people just in case there are some Fire Nation people around. Like speaking of the the, the stories that poison us when we wear them as armor, right? Right. Like throw the baby out with the bathwater, raise it to the ground because I don't have the energy or the mental capacity to sit and take the time to care because he's always going to run into no one cared about me. Which, I, which to your point, I interrupted you, uh, Karima, about the, the parallel with Toph. So speak speak a little more about well, that. The, if you like. the same thing. Toph is like, no one understands me. I'm going to just push everybody away so that that way they can't hurt me. He has something very similar there as well, which is why Toph actually likes him in the beginning too. But then she senses something. She's like, no, I sense evil with this one. Like, <laughs> something extreme. Not evil, but it's definitely extremist. Extremist. What's crazy for that moment in the show? They let him essentially pull the trigger, and boom, and 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 the town's gone. And for a moment in the show, you're like, "Oh my goodness, he just killed everybody!" <laughs> he just did that. Like, that is it three thirty on a Friday afternoon? Because he just killed everyone on Nickelodeon. What happened? <laughs> Yeah, no, you're absolutely, you know, you're absolutely right. Yeah. No, Jet. Yeah, I was just gonna. I, I echo what Karima said. I mean, yeah, it's he's clearly, yeah, obviously he's traumatized, and who wouldn't be? Uh, sort of based off of what we have heard about his life story, but yeah, and within that, yeah, his his perspective is subsequently limited in sort of the ways in which he can understand and sort of mediate the ways in which he can make sense about the world around him. Uh, because of sort of, you know, this, like, this trauma, um, you know, there's just his co- sort of capacity um, in many ways for understanding ends up being really, you know, skewed. Um, my husband loves Jet, by the way, I feel like. <laughs> I mean, he's so dang cool. He's cool. He's so dang cool, though. He got that thing coming out of his mouth all the time. Pat. Him and his straw. Oh, that dang know, straw. So that's, that's cool. All the, all the yeah. dangerous ones are cute. I That's know. how it works. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and also, like, the whole sort of put yourself, and this is, he's the captain of his tiny treehouse ship, which, by the way, is still capable of doing great damage, as we saw, but that <laughs> idea of that certain kind of combination of an individual where if you just make sure you're at the top, quote-unquote top, of whatever group you're in, you don't ever have to listen to anybody tell you you're wrong because you've positioned yourself yeah, so that everybody's true. afraid to tell you you're wrong. Too many yes men's around. Too exactly. Many yes around. And we see that all across. The, we see it in the arts. We see it in politics. You know, we see it in families. We see these these positions where, like, that's, I think, if we're doing our jobs as as people on our journeys, like, we should always all be asking ourselves, like, do I have people around who are who I can listen to who are going to tell me tell to me straight? You know, right? right. Am I the Forever. problem? <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Am I the am I the one that's being dramatic here? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and it's tough because you know we're we can be so hard on ourselves too that you know one of the sort of um, literary self-help techniques that that get talked about sometimes and I use it myself when I talk to young people especially but also to friends is this idea of like when you're being cruel to yourself or you don't believe yourself capable of something um, and you're berating yourself and you say well if you take yourself out of this and imagine you're the, the, the hero of a book you're reading you know how do you want that to go and how do you want to empower that person but then it gets tricky because in a story like avatar we're reminded that we have all these characters who are morally ambiguous or morally corrupt and they still think they're the the hero of their story so they're doing that and that is not necessarily leading them in the direction that is best for them and everyone around them right so how do we how do we navigate that ladies help help (laughs) I i was gonna i was gonna say um one thing that I also think is interesting, particularly sort of as a as a piece of sort of the conversation about diversity and inclusion is about like how representation matters. Um, and I don't mean that just for, you know, sort of like, you know, I, I, and I mean that sort of in a variety of ways, um, not just for, you know, folks who look like me and sort of seeing myself reflected in something so that I know that something is possible. Obviously, that happens in the show. We can reference Zuko when he learns about his other grandfather or great grandfather, um, Avatar Roku, like that makes a huge difference but um in thinking about like how sort of you know just as a viewer as a fan sort of seeing folks represented 
folks who come from very different backgrounds and very different perspectives represented doing good work together or sort of like working together for a common cause. Or, you know, if we're thinking, foreshadowing all the way to Korra, thinking about the ways in which, you know, sort of seeing how some of the antagonists or villains like kind of have some points that are actually kind of valid and unaddressed. I think Amon is right. I don't know why there aren't any non-benders on the council. Like, <laughs> it's a huge oversight. We Sometimes we make our own villains, right? Yeah. Like, we have to take responsibility for the villains in our culture sometimes. Yeah. Or right, maybe and there's always, a, there's always a grain mm-hmm. in tru- of, of truth in all those. Amon wasn't, that part wasn't wrong. The killing everybody. Yeah, the domestic terrorism was, right. was wrong. <laughs> right. right. <Yeah>. That- <laughs> Yes, indeed. The insurgency was the problem. (laughs) Yeah, minor issue. Minor issue. So, yeah, I think the short answer to your question is friends. (laughs) And friends, have some, go outside, touch some grass, have some friends. Have some, because here's the other thing, too. If you just stay on the internet and only talk to other people, you'll always find somebody on the internet to agree with you. And, and you yeah. don't even have to tell them the whole story. Yeah. So right. you need to go find Ain't some that friends that can look you in your face and tell you, yeah, that was yeah. messed up. Like, you should yeah. stop. Yeah. Like, immediately. I would love to, as we sort of slowly uh, amble in our, in our freeform conversation towards some sort of temporary conclusion and ending knowing that like none of this ever has a beginning middle and end which is what's so great about the show and and folks like you who are continuing to sort of elevate it and and make it about all of those bigger issue things you know yeah I I agree I also think you know what we all need to be more like Boomy I mean he had to get old to get there but he did you know he didn't take everything seriously stayed real buff stayed buff God old stayed buff listen I need to know his diet and fitness plan because this man (laughs) stayed he was, people forget, Boomy was Aang's childhood yeah. friend and he never was caught in the ice. He walked around for 120 <laughs> years. Like, what? Yes. I need to know that plan. What is That's your right. skincare regimen, Boomy? I have questions. But also, when... maybe, yeah, don't follow his, his tooth care. I, I think no. maybe he might, that might have been too much rock candy or something. But that, as crazy as he seems, and I guess this is just the first book, you'll find out later that he's crazy like a fox. He knows exactly what's going on. Um, he seems disarming because it's all about making everybody feel good around him, but he's very observant. And there was wisdom in that kookiness. And there's, you know, and there's something to be said for sitting back, not taking, I mean, think about it. After 120 years or so, he's seen some stuff. So he's perspective. He's like, what? This is not the worst thing that's ever going to happen to you. We're fine. (laughs) You know? And that's what, that's why, like, if we could all be more like Boomy, (laughs) <laughs> right. yeah. I, th- I think we could I we could live just as right. long um, <laughs> I love that I see the bumper sticker be more like yeah. Boomy be more like Boomy they, they really do seem to live for a long time in the Earth Kingdom I would like <laughs> I love that and also yeah again balance 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 having something external to yourself that you give up something to that you give respect to that you give you assign power to takes some of that narcissism away (laughs) you know it's this sort of this this actual uh manifestation of like i can't control everything i'm not the be-all end-all i'm not the god of my universe um but yet at the same time where's that balance because you don't want to put it all on that and then feel like anything you do you're not accountable for because you know it just must be part of the big plan right and and that's balance. It all comes back to the balance of the of the, of the show. If you have too much of any of those, you're gonna you're gonna go off the you know the wrong. Because just like we said, every kingdom had good and bad. Right. All right. We have got to start wrapping up, and I know that Dante and I will not let either of you go before we hear from you a couple of very key things. Right. First first key thing: if you were a bender, what bender? What kind of element would you bend? Oh, yeah. Um, 100% Fire Nation. And I'll tell you why. Fire yeah, Nation. Yeah, I'm going to tell you why. I feel like I feel like there's, for me in the show, in both series, there's one an unanswered question, which is like, Zuko knows how to redirect lightning. Does he know how to produce it? I'm going to argue. Yeah, I don't no, think he, he does, doesn't. right? Like, I think, like, throughout it, I would assume that he doesn't. Azula could do it. Because <laughs> he's mean, a hey, sociopath. Azula can do it. Yeah, which, you know, it's okay. I think I would be the type of firebender who would not be able to make lightning. But redirecting lightning 
is so important to me. And like, and I say this just as somebody who has encountered my series, you know, sort of my own um, types of like microaggressions and like low key racism, high key racism at work. The idea of being able to like have someone shoot something at me that I don't have to hold, but that I can actually just give it right back and just sort of let it pass through Whoa, me is so it. important. I maybe had a love picture it. of Zuko redirecting lightning on like at my desk at work. Are a fire yes, bender. so yeah, all about that. You're a lightning, a lightning bender. bender. Yeah. The only I like thing that. I disagree with about this is what it is doing to Dante Bosco's ego in every oh, no. other yeah. way. <laughs> I, I agree. know you know about this. I'm just into it. I'm into the conversation. 120, I know, honey. Yeah, I know. You know, I love you. I gotta give you. I gotta give you the fake hard time that is part of the <laughs> characters of Janet and Dante on the podcast. Fire Nation. I in the house. love that so much. Uh, beautiful, beautiful. Karma, hit me. I, I'm gonna, well, this is kind of jumping forward into another show, but earthbending, I've, I've mentioned all these earthbenders, so you knew that was coming, but I, I would be a metal bender. So I, I'd be oh, yeah, hanging yeah. out with the Bayfonds, because you know what? A zoom can't catch a bullet. You talked about top early in the game. Oh my goodness, what you say? Oh my goodness. She's not catching that. And it's interesting because a little of metal bending, I feel like, really does touch on some of the other elements because you can't smelt iron without water or fire. Um, it comes from the earth. So I think it's got a little of, of everything into, mm -hmm. in it. Um, but, yeah, some of these people are going to need weapons at some point. So, yeah, you can come to my house. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you talk about Toph early in the game, and I was like, oh, she's definitely yeah. earthbending. Yeah. This, no, this one smells of yes. earthbending. Yes. Um but I, I just, I also think of things like, you know, shielding and also health. And I know that sounds crazy, but I had to make up, I had to do this before. And I, when I was thinking about an earthbender and I was thinking about metal bending, I could pull, I'm thinking of things like if, if there's metals that are poisonous in our, in our environment, like they can be health healers. They can pull heavy metals literally out of people's systems. Um, so many people yeah. have iron deficiencies and things like that. A lot of those. Yeah, so they right. can also be healers. They don't have to shoot everybody. They could also be healers. It's making me feel like <laughs> making me feel like Magneto's uh, yeah. Earth. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Are you think think and, about yeah. Magneto? In the best of times. Magneto and Lynn Bayfong. Come on, you know you want to see I that. I was gonna say, is, is that your ship? <laughs> That's I mean, that's a strong and solid ship right there. That is a Magneto strong could be and King solid Boomy. ship. We don't know. Oh. <laughs> what marvelous and well thought out answers. I mean, that's just couldn't be less surprised by either of you having those those very wonderful answers. Um, yeah, I mean, Dante teased it. What you what you think about some of these ships? You know, we talk about sometimes that feels like the lighter fare, the more frivolous fare. But love, some people think love is the answer. Yeah. So, what what, what kind of ships uh, speak to you? What sings to you? Um, look, I get I get Zutara. I'm not on that ship. I'm not on it. I get it, but what? I'm not on it. I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to the Legend of Korra. I'm a Ming Zan shipper. Okay. Mm. Okay. Zahir's hey. like buddies, the one that doesn't blow up stuff with her head. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> the lava bender and the water bender. There's some chemistry. It's in. It's canonical. There's definitely some chemistry. Yes, it. I know. It made me really happy. It's <laughs> that one little moment in that in Cora, and I was like, "That's it. <laughs> That's where I am." Oof! Deep cut. I love it. I love it. You're 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 zipping right past. Uh, Zutara zipping past it. It's a dot in the distance. Karima, what about you? Any faves? I was gonna say um, uh, Sokka and Suki, but now like I can't get Magneto and Lin out of my head. No, that's a good <laughs> ship. That's good. It's solid. Can you imagine the arguments? Like, oh. <laughs> imagine all of the Air Temple Islands that get destroyed when they're having arguments. Oh. I love it. I can't unsee it. I I'd tried. Watch it. Yeah. I'd watch it. That's like, that is some true grit. They both have just like true grit through and through. Like, they are going to get through this. It may not be pretty. They do. And you know what? You know who I always felt was missing out? The hero of the series, Appa. 
Of course. Yeah. Appa, yes. Appa took so much. I Appa know. needed to find an Appet and, and have and have little Appa babies. I know. We said if you took Appa out of this show. Wouldn't be a got? show. Wouldn't be a show. You're slowly rowing in a canoe for like 10 episodes still in the South Pole. Without Appa, Aang is technically still on that Fire Nation ship and... Zuko never changes, so we oh, <laughs> need Appa, Appa to make this show work. But yeah, Appa took so many hits, and Appa was always that Uber driver that never complained. Yeah. Was- <laughs> I respect that. Yeah. And, and he, too, is the last yeah. airbender. He, he also he is, is the also last- the last airbender. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. We got to celebrate Appa and just like make him feel so loved. So, so loved. Ladies, please tell us if there is stuff that we can, you know, hear on the on the podcast, send people to stuff they should check out, ways to follow you, all of the good stuff that keeps you in their world. Yeah. Um, so I'm on Twitter at another Ejoma. There are a lot of us out there. Um, and <laughs> you can if you want to check out my avatar course, um, you can visit my website, ejomaandjaka.com. Do you put people in their element by the end of the course? Like, guess what? I don't think that's for me to decide. Um, I'm not a lion turtle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I love that. That's your next course, the lion that's turtle right. course. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, you can find me. I'm the Blur Girl everywhere. T-H-E-B-L-E-R-G-G-U-R-L. Um, y'all know I get mail on Twitter. I'm always there. But I'm also on Instagram, and I have um, a live Twitch show twice a week. Um, Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, um, where I talk to all kinds of people in geekdom, have great interviews, conversations, a lot like this one. And uh, I also have one Thursday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., um, where I just talk because coffee is needed for that one. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can find me all over. And I'm just so excited to. Uh, be invited to talk about this. I'm a fan of both of you for such a long time. And Ijioma, I have to take this course because now I'm so interested. <laughs> I know, I'm fascinated too. I'm really piqued my interest. I just, I don't like school, but yes, I want to. I was going to say, it's, yeah, it's a newsletter that helps. You've been oh, yeah. telling yourself the story that you don't like school exactly. for too long, my friend. Oh, yeah, 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 you yeah, yeah, can yeah, remap yeah, yeah, right. and realize yeah. school is all kinds yeah. of stuff. And I know School's you love awesome. school because you're a you're an autodidact. You like to self-educate, and that's school too. So you're, you're right. just thinking you're right. about it differently. You're right. Perfection. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much for doing the show. This has been my brain is just like so alive. My heart is soaring. You guys, thank you so much for joining us. Such a fun show. I could talk to you guys forever. I know, exactly. Well, I hope that you'll come back. We'll continue the conversation. I got so much more to say about Jet. <laughs> and next week, I am so excited to get into the blue spirit. Dante and I will be talking about that. It is a fan favorite episode, and it is certainly one of our favorites. We'll see everybody next Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.